Hi, I'm Laura Green, and this is the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show where I visit with the best writers in Lesbic. I love reading, and these books and writers mean so much to me. I hope you learn something new each week about your favorite authors. Enjoy the show, and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. I have read every book today's guest has released and loved every single one. She always writes books that captivate me and leave me feeling grateful that she shares her talent with us. I'm so honored to have her join me today. EJ Noyes, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for your sweet introduction. The fourth book in the Ask Tell series, If I Don't Ask, will be released May 17th. I read it last week and absolutely loved it. It felt like reconnecting with old friends. Obviously, it was hard for you to let Rebecca and Sabine go as well. Why did you decide to give us Rebecca's story, and is this the last book in the series? I think, yes, it is the last book in the series, mostly <laughs> because I'm starting to wonder how many more titles with Ask in them that I can come <laughs> up with. Um, but more than that, I really think that their story is actually, I mean, done. They're, they're both happy and um, in a good place, and unfortunately, that doesn't make for very interesting storytelling. So, no, um, not. Yeah, so I think it is the last one in the, in in the series, but I do have this weird idea that I could do like a little sort of serial thing, and I I think I have spoken about it uh, maybe on Twitter, where I decided to give myself more work, and I thought, well, why don't I just do like a chapter from like Sabine's perspective, and then like Beck and Mitch and Yana and Amy, and sort of like just do a timeline. But I think that's just a bit of a fancy uh, <laughs> or flight of fancy, I should say, at the moment. And I think as to why I wrote. If I don't ask, it's something that I've I've been sort of playing with ever since I wrote Ask Tell, and I have actually played around with making parts of Ask Tell moving into Rebecca's perspective, just as sort of something to do and a bit of a, a brain relaxer when I was feeling a little bit stuck. So I sort of had had started moving it around a little bit, and then it just sort of stuck in my head, and I thought, well, you know, I've wanted to do it, I've done a little bit of it, so why don't I just sort of just go for it? And and it was um. It was so nice to spend time with the characters that I know so well. And also to come back, I thought, you know, as my, my 10th book to come back to sort of where it all started. So, so yeah, that's sort of how it came about was just that finally decided to do something I'd been thinking about for a while. Well, I'm glad you did. I'm a little bit in love with Rebecca. I'm not gonna I think lie. a lot of people are. I think I am a little bit too. And it's funny because I said, you know, like I'm, I've literally just turned 40 um, at the start of this year and like I think Beck is sort of 41 at the start of If I Don't Ask and sort of 43 and Ask Tell and as I was writing this book I, I kept thinking like she's so accomplished and so mature and, and so composed and I'm just like a idiot like just sort of you know derping around and it, it was really interesting to sort of think of myself in the context of, of age I suppose and just think how different I am compared to her. <laughs> yeah, I just turned 50 and I'm just so immature. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't feel 40 at all. Like my, my knees do, but like I don't at all in my head. Like I still think yeah. I'm like 25. <laughs> <laughs> my eyesight's definitely getting to be 50. <laughs> in November, Aspen and Kate from Gold will be featured in your new book. Tell us what we can expect from that and from the main characters, Gemma and Stacy. It's tentatively titled Schuss or Schuss. I actually can't pronounce it, which means um, to <laughs> that's a great start, isn't it? Um, to ski downhill really fast without stopping, no turns, just like straight down the hill. And as with a lot of my books, the title should be explained um, within the context, but I may change the title. I haven't settled on it, but I probably will just leave it because I doubt I'll be able to think of anything better. <laughs> so uh, Aspen and Kate are uh, side characters in this one. So we have Stacy and Gemma. Uh, if 
people remember from Gold Stacey was uh, the young alpine racer that that Aspen took on as a as a student. And so she was coaching her. So she moved away from sort of coaching ski resorts and um, into sort of a private professional coach. And uh, Gemma is Kate's daughter. So in this book, Aspen and Kate are married. So Gemma is now officially Aspen's stepdaughter. So at the beginning of Gold, they were, Gemma and Stacey were just sort of becoming friends. So the book set sort of actually ran now in real time. So sort of April, May 2020, after the Beijing Olympics. Stacey's had a great Olympics, won her first medal at her first Olympics. And both her and, and Gemma sort of are in this weird space where they're sort of both in love with each other but don't want to ruin their, their friendship. So, yeah, they're just trying to figure out what to do about that and whether they should tell each other. And so there's, yeah, there's sort of that. So it's, I don't think it's young adult. I think it's probably new adult because they're 18 and 20. So it's been really interesting trying to figure things out, like do 18 and 20-year-olds say breasts or do they say boobs, you know, like, you know, that sort of thing. And I, it's, you know, like what are all the young kids say nowadays and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, they're both fairly mature. So I think in that context it's been it's been okay. But, yeah, so it's, it's nice to revisit all characters um, again. So uh, I don't know why I'm doing this two books in a row, but. Well, now I know as soon as I get the book, I'm going to look to see if they call them breast or breast boobs. Or boobs. Or... At the moment, it's boobs. So, but <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> Tatas. Tatas, norks, jugs, you know. <laughs> and also, like, and how much sex, you know, um, is another thing I'm sort of trying to balance because I think um, probably they it wouldn't be as graphic as, as my previous books, which is hard to <laughs> sort of just, yeah, make it less uh, – not less emotional, but probably more emotional and less. Uh, I wouldn't say graphic because I don't think it's. I don't think it's graphic. I think maybe just less. I wouldn't even know what to call it. Steamy, steamy, less steamy. So we'll dial it down from like a I don't know a four to a two or something. Maybe right. we'll see. Or maybe I'll just say screw it and just yeah, that's right and, and see see how it goes. Uh. <laughs> In alone, Celeste signs up to spend four years in isolation to receive a half million dollars. I would need a lot more money than that. How much would you have to be paid to be alone for four years? And if you had to be alone with just one of your characters, which one would you choose? I mean, I'd take half a million dollars, half a million US dollars, because that translates quite nicely to New Zealand dollars with the exchange rate and all. But I mean, if someone wanted to give me more, I'd, I'd take it. I think I would probably have to choose Audrey, Audrey Graham from Turbulence. Oh. I would not be opposed to that myself. <laughs> not only because I think she's probably very nice to look at, but I think she's just such a she's such a chill person. She's just really calm. You know, it takes a lot to rattle her. So she, I think she'd be a good person to be secluded with because I think she'd probably try to ease friction uh, and stuff like that. She cooks, so that's also a good thing. And I reckon she'd be pretty good at sort of like playing playing board games and you know card games and doing jigsaw puzzles and all that sort of stuff with you. I think Audrey, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I would just stare at her the whole time. <laughs> just, like, she, this is getting even creepier. <laughs> She'd be like, okay, stop. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to go look at the plants. I'm going to go make sure the solar panels are clear. I, just <laughs> <laughs> I love Morgan and Jane in Reaping the Benefits, but I really love Cece. Will Death be getting her own story? It's on the list. The list is a weird thing. Uh, the list is basically every time I have an idea, I just write it down. Yeah, I and I have written a little bit, um, and by a little bit I mean like 500 words and just a lot of just notes and stuff that sort of come to me like, I don't know why, but the other day I was like, should this have some light BDSM? So under that it's got like, you know, CC, should it, you know, like things like that um, and just like 
lines of dialogue that that come to me. But the the problem that I'm sort of having with it is that I know vaguely what it might be. Like I know the trope will be, you know, like the reformed player, if you can call Cece a player, which I, I don't think she technically is. You know, she obviously enjoys sex with everyone, basically. Um, <laughs> she doesn't care about, you know, gender, gender identity, um, sexuality. She's just just pleasure-seeking, which, you know, good for her. So it, it was sort of this idea that instead of, you know, many partners, she she falls for one um, one person. And if you've read the short story that was in the Bella anthology, Save the Date, there's a short story uh, of Morgan and Jane uh, in that anthology. And I think there's a pretty big clue as to who Cece's paramour might be in in Cece's story. But aside from that, I just, I have no plot. And it's really hard to write a book without a vague idea of where I'm going to take it. You know, like I, I tell my idea starters, I have an idea and I sort of vaguely know, well, that idea will end up here. But I just I just can't find that for this one and I don't know why. But um, I definitely want to write it because I think she's a great character and it'd be nice to see Morgan and Jane again. And then I can continue this sort of theme I've got going where I keep, you know, like <laughs> revisiting all my, all my old characters. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely on the list and I definitely want to write it. Um, I just don't know what it's going to be about yet. So, yeah, stay tuned, I guess. Okay. You've only written one series, the Astel series. Obviously, we've been talking about it a little bit, but <laughs> do you plan to write more series in the future? I do. I have already written part of one and it's hopefully released next year. Three books in one year is the plan, but the plan might go to shit depending <laughs> um, depending on how I feel after I've written um, Gemma and Stacey's books. So, I'm calling it the spy series, but it's it's a stupid thing to call it because it's not about a spy. Um, it's about an intelligence officer. So I've written the first book um, to sort of draft stage, like solid, readable, not many mistakes draft. I've written about a third of the second one. And then in typical me style, I've sort of got like a whole bunch of notes and just lines of dialogue of the third. So yeah, the plan is to have it, uh, what year are we in? 2022. So 2023 is the plan for that one to have to have all three of them. I've spoken to the publisher and said, this is what I want to do. Whether I can do it or not is another thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I know for myself that when I, I've read a series and, you know, you have to wait years between books and it just drives me fucking nuts. Like I just want to read these books and, and keep, you know, my my excitement for them going. Um, and sort of, so that's my plan. So either three in one year or uh, one every six months, like I like I usually release books. Yeah, yeah. Usually, if it's series. too long between the the books, I have mm. to reread them because I forgot yeah. what happened at the last one. Which I don't think that's a bad thing. Like you know, rereading books, but yeah, I just I just feel like for myself, like I just I just want to keep how I feel about about reading a series is just yeah is how I've sort of approached this. But I mean, I'm not sure. But yeah, it'll either be they'll be close. You know, so you're not gonna have to wait years between them. Yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your two favorite supporting characters from your books? Uh, I would say Yana, but she's technically not a supporting character. Yana Fleischer, because she got her own book, so she sort of got moved to main character. I think I'd have to say Cece, for one. Just, I mean, how can you not love death? You know, and in that sort of format where she's just, you know, aside from the way she looks, just. I just love her whole personality. I think she's just a really fun character, but also it's not someone that you want to fuck with. Like she's not, <laughs> you know, like she's, I think she's, she's scary in her own way, but um, obviously Morgan knows how to approach her. And Mitch, Mitch Boyd from the Ask Tell series. Oh, I just I think he's Mitch. such, he's just such, 
he's just the perfect best friend, I think. Just a big teddy bear, just a, a nice guy, um, fun, funny, just, yeah. Uh, and a lot of his characters are characters that my best friend has. Um, so, yeah, but her name is not Mitchell. <laughs> so. <laughs> Most of your books are written in first person. What's the appeal of writing in first person for you? Uh, aside from it being easier for me, I just think it's a really immersive way of of writing and also reading. A good first person character, you just feel so it's so inviting. Like it really lets you into you know the person's headspace, um, all their emotions, and all that sort of stuff. So for me, the appeal of writing that is that it lets me, um, as an empathetic person, sort of get right into into all that sort of emotional weight and and all whatnot which is is great and also hard you know when it's not a pleasant sort of subject you know like PTSD or or loneliness or stuff like that um that I have written about but yeah I think it's it's the immersiveness of it like it just it just feels so good to me as a writer to just be like almost slipping into someone else's skin like like I'm living that sort of experience with them so yeah sometimes I think when I read first person it's easy to know the one character but then the other character you feel a little bit disconnected with Mm. but you you're very good at that I don't feel any disconnection at all yeah and that is hard because a lot of first person is is single POV um right and I I've just cheated by saying well I'm going to write first person double POV and I'll just label it so everyone's clear you know who's who's (laughs) who um because it is hard but I think the interesting thing about it is you know as as people we don't know what other people are thinking so the challenge of of trying to show that um, I really like it. Trying to to get like you're saying, let let my reader know the other character th- through my my main character. Imagine if you could have a dinner party with three couples from your books, who would you choose and why? I'd have to pick Sabine and Rebecca because I know them so well, so it wouldn't be awkward because I'm terrible at small talk. Like I'm really <laughs> bad at it, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and just I think you know Sabine's fun. She's very much like me, just weird in her own sort of way as well as being stupidly smart. Uh, and Rebecca is just so calm and, you know, and I think Rebecca would also help me clean up afterwards. So that would oh, be really yeah, good. she would. Yeah, yeah she totally, she's just that kind of, you know, and she'd bring, she'd bring something nice like, you know, nice wine or nice food. I'd have to have Aspen and Kate just so I could talk about skiing and same and Aspen and I could like play Call of Duty or something afterwards when everyone <laughs> had gone home. Uh, <laughs> and I think, I think Kate would probably also be pretty good. I think she would help clean up as well. And probably Morgan and Jane as well. I think Morgan would be really interesting to talk to. Um, oh, yeah. She's got stories. Yeah. A lot of stories. <laughs> Centuries worth. So I think she would be really interesting to talk to. And I think Jane as well. She's just – she's also fun um, and, and just kind and, and sort of, I think, an easy person to get along with. So, yeah. Yeah. And she would help you clean as well. I think Jane would, yeah. I think Morgan might maybe – I think maybe she'd be like the one she'd be like pouring wine for you while you're washing up, you know, like just sort of standing on the other side of the counter, like you're doing a great job. Here, have a drink. You know, so. <laughs> Encouraging you. Yeah, that's it, but not actually doing the work. And your characters have many different jobs. If you had to choose one of those careers for yourself, which one would best suit you? Ski instructor. Oh. Absolutely. I was a horse riding instructor for many years, God, like 10 or more. So the actual teaching part, you know, I've sort of got down, although I have to admit I didn't love it. It was not a great job um, for someone who, you know, doesn't enjoy small talk and, you know, stuff like that and who isn't fond of children as well. But, you know, <laughs> I've got the experience, I've got the experience um, with that. And plus skiing, I mean, I don't think it's any secret 
that I love skiing. So I'm not great at it because I started, I learned as an adult, which makes it really hard to learn a new a new physical skill. Um, but yeah, I'd have to go ski instructor or ski racer like Stacey if I ever got brave enough to like shush down a hill. Wow. I've never been skiing. Oh, have you been snowboarding? No. Oh, that's okay then. I was going to say if you snowboarded but not skied, we might just have to like cut this short because. Oh, no. I haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah. You got to try it. It's great. I'm too but, old now. No, you're not. No, I know. I mean, I'd do a Sonny Bono. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what first drew you to the woman who is now your wife, and what does she do to make you laugh? At first, I wasn't drawn to her. So we met when we were sort of 12-ish, 12, 13, at Pony Club, and we're from rival writing schools, so Romeo and Juliet type. I just – I didn't like her at all, um, and she was nasty, and she says she's not, but she was mean. She was <laughs> But as it turned out, she's actually just really shy. So, you know, it sort of comes across as just sort of stony um, when she's just she's, – she's very introverted. Yeah, and we met again when I was working as a horse riding instructor and she turned up at the riding school where I was working and had been since I was – I'd been there like since I was 11. And I think it was originally her – probably her humour, first of all, that really got me because I hadn't realised, you know, as a as an idiotic teenager that she was actually really funny. Um, and we've got a very similar sense of humour, which um, which makes it easy not having to explain my stupid jokes to <laughs> someone. <laughs> and probably her kindness too and her compassion. It was just an interesting thing to, to recognise that she wasn't who I thought she was and, and probably vice versa and that maybe we should have dealt with this as, as teenagers instead of waiting until we were like 20, 24 25-ish, but yeah, who knows, it might have turned out differently if I'd sort of just gone and said hi to her instead of been like, oh, her, that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) You're an Australian who recently moved to New Zealand. What has been the biggest adjustment for you in living in New Zealand? It's it's actually a really boring answer, but economics, like economically, like the cost of living here is, is a lot higher compared to their wages. So New Zealand wages are lower than Australia and also just benefits and stuff like that. Um, which doesn't really affect me because I don't work for a New Zealand company. But yeah, just cost of living, like things like you know fresh fruit and and vegetables, like you can really see the the price go up in winter because you know they're just a little tiny island, so they're importing everything. Yeah, it's it's been weird and just you know basic stuff like that, um, basic boring stuff. But oh god, I feel like I have to say something better than that. Like um, <laughs> no, you don't. You don't yeah, know. it's nice being, you know, we, we used to live out of town. So anytime we wanted to go into town, like to get groceries or something like it, it'd be a half hour drive. So it's really nice to just be able to like walk down into town being close and just have like a, a short bus ride and stuff like that. Because there's no buses where we used to live in Australia um, out, out to our place. No, no public transport at all. It's just the joys of needing land for horses. So yeah, being close to everything's really nice. That's a nice adjustment. So yeah. Have you seen my girlfriend yet, Jacinda? I haven't in person. She has been in my city. Yeah, she's amazing. She's so great. She is. But it's interesting. Um, and I think I feel like Jacinda and sort of Justin Trudeau are very similar in that everybody who's not in the country really loves them, but in their own country, they're maybe not quite as popular as they mm-hmm. appear to be. And it's an interesting sort of thing to see how New Zealanders, not everybody loves her, you know, which I think is just stupid. Crazy. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, idiots. <laughs> like, her intestine drill to have gorgeous kids. Oh my god, yes. Yeah. She had to postpone her wedding because of COVID again. So what is Cinder? Don't know when she's getting married. Well, obviously she's just waiting for me. I think this is just I think she probably is. That's she's just, just keeps yeah, COVID schmovid like come on. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're a big gamer. What was the first video game you really got into and what's your favorite right now? Probably World of Warcraft. My mother actually got me into that one, funnily really? enough. She, yeah, she was, um, which is funny because she's not a gamer at all uh, and she doesn't play anymore and neither do I. Yeah, she even, she bought it for me. She was like, you've got to play this. Like, it's so great. And I think my wife just sort of went like, oh, fuck, like really? <laughs> and rolled her eyes for like seven years while I was like every night just grinding away at World of Warcraft. Yeah, and then I started writing and just ran out of time. So, um, but that was probably the, the first one that I really invested a serious chunk of my life into. Uh, now it's definitely Call of Duty. That's That's the one that I sort of play for a little bit every day just shooting people or zombies or something like that just because it's just a really great way to just switch off yeah that's the that's the sort of consistent one at the moment but i recently played Deathloop by arcane studios um and i've loved all their games and that was a really good one too just um highly recommend what was the first les fick book you ever read and which two books by other authors do you wish you had written uh, the first lesbian I ever read was Ammonite by Nicola Griffith, and I was given it by a friend uh, who lives in Chicago, and it was actually not – I was in the middle of writing Ask Tell when I read my first lesbian. Like, I had never read a lesbian before then. Um, I didn't even really think of them as a, a thing, like, which is weird because I was writing one. So, <laughs> you know, intellectually, I think I probably knew, but – yeah, and she sort of said she was she was reading parts of the book for me um, and giving me a lot of really encouraging feedback. And she sent me the book from Chicago um, to Australia to read. I think yeah, because it was one that she loved. And so yeah, it was it was that. And as for ones I wish I had written, definitely Breaking Character by Lee Winter. That's one of my favourites. And not a lesbian and not a single book, but the Masters of Rome series by Colleen McCulloch. She um, is an Australian author sadly now deceased, who just wrote oodles of amazing books and, and that Masters of Rome series really got me into reading, like, you know, that I'd always love reading, but got me to just love reading. And yeah, it was probably the first lot of books that I was actually just absorbed in. So yeah, I wish I'd written those. Thanks so much, EJ, for taking the time to chat with me. It was honestly a thrill and I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again to EJ for joining me. If I Don't Ask will be available on May 17th, and you will not want to miss this one. Check out EJ's website at ejnoiseauthor.com for links to purchase her books. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclaura, or join my Patreon at patreon.com slash sapphicbookreviewpod, where you can listen to your favorite authors playing Would You Rather for only $5 a month. Here's a sample with EJ Noise. Thanks for listening and until next time, happy reading. Would you rather have a dinner party with a politician from an opposing party or attend a concert of a music group you detest? I'm weird about music. I don't have any favorite bands really um, and I don't listen to popular music like the radio and stuff. So that's, I feel like an opposing party politician because then I could go tweet about what a wanker they were um, (laughs) for one. But I think it'd be you know, I'm sort of, you know, some people are just shit people and have shit views um, and I don't think you, you can get away from that. But I would hope that I could at least learn something about human nature from being forced to sit through. But could I pick, yeah, like I couldn't sit, uh, actually I might change that because I don't think like I couldn't sit with Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister. He's such a dick swab, like I just hate him. And like I couldn't sit with Trump. Actually, no, I couldn't sit oh, with any Republican. Same. Oh. Mm. Yeah, I think I might have to change that. I think it might have to be the music group because I think that now thinking about it, I would just get 
learning about human nature aside, I think I would just get angry. Would you rather date Aspen from Gold or Rebecca from the Astel series if you were a single lady? That's not fair. That's a fair <laughs> question. I'd have to choose Aspen for the skiing, I think. Although Beck does ski, she definitely skis. I think Beck's a bit, a bit too good for me, to be, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I think all my characters are too good for me. But I think the skiing, Aspen skiing, she would just – she wouldn't care if I wanted to talk about skiing all day. She'd go skiing with me every day. Yeah. I see. That's good. That will leave yeah. Rebecca for me. So that worked out. 